Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NYC Real Estate Podcast. This is Mark Levine. I'm your host. I'm from management company EBMG. We are managing uh, properties in New York City, and we've been doing the podcast for quite some time. And today we are talking with Jessica Viola, who is the owner of Fox and Crow Realty. Hey, Jessica. Hey there. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for having me. No problem. So for the last 18 years, you've been in the business and you're dealing with a lot of residential and commercial buildings. And you're, uh, Why don't I let you talk and tell us about yourself instead of me giving like a bad you know, synopsis of who you are? Sure. Um, so I could, I, could, I could go back, but I'll, I'll keep it simple. Um, I've been doing real estate for about 18 years now. Um, had a little bit of a break when I moved to California, but um, I've been all over the map. Uh, in terms of residential and commercial. I've done a bunch of retail leasing in Manhattan. Um, and um, I decided to go out on my own after COVID. And um, I started my own company called Fox and Crow. And uh, it's a consultation company as well as a professional network, um, networking uh, with individuals that have been in the business for a while. Um, so participating in like a team, team structure um, with other companies, sort of like a co-exclusivity. Um, and, you know, business as usual, you know? Yeah. Just doing business as usual. Um, and then adding elements of this, uh, you know, helping people out in other ways, underwriting, um, helping people with, with boards. Um, that's how I naturally, I, I naturally just, you know, got into, um, you know, working on boards and helping people with boards, that, which led me to this with you. Awesome. Well, welcome. And um, so full disclosure, you are, uh, you sit on a board and I manage that building and that's how we connected. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about uh, maybe what would be a good topic and we'll talk about today, a bunch of stuff, but let me just jump in for anybody that's listening and you want to email the show, you can do so at nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. That's nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. And if you send an email, I will answer it um, as quickly as it comes in, hopefully. Uh, But let's talk about, so one of the things that we talked about before we got on was just um, how different boards are situated um, throughout the, let's say a 10 year window uh, for certain boards change over a lot. Certain boards are the same. You know, there's a lot of pluses and minuses to probably both scenarios. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, let's just, I guess, say for a condo or for a co-op, depending on uh, which you're in, the bylaws are going to tell you how the board is made up, how many people um, are going to be on that board, how they get voted in, when they get voted in. And what you see from a lot of buildings where there was a conversion or it was a new construction, the sponsor, the, the developer, the holder of unsold shares, you know, like that person or entity that built and converted the building typically has a majority of the board until either um, a year uh, benchmark or until there's a percentage sold in the building or until there's, you know, until the first sale. So there's a lot of different avenues that boards have to ha- have representation on them. But one thing that we were talking about was, how do we keep it so that both it's um, a fresh moving uh, group of people that, you know, you don't have just one set of narrow opinions over an extended period of time. Right. What are the mechanisms in play to make sure that there is kind of equal representation for everybody in the building? Right. I guess that's right. what we were kind of going through. So what 
what do you want to, uh, I'm going to let you drive this conversation <laughs> to see, you know, how can I help? Because whatever questions you have and whatever opinions you have, other people have those and other people were wondering, like, how do we, how do we navigate this? Like, obviously you're living in a building, you're living in a co-op or you're living in a condo. You go to the annual meeting, uh, you vote. Sometimes there's proxies so that somebody, I don't want to say stack the deck, but it is the case where there's some bylaws that allow an individual unit owner or a um, shareholder to hold an unknown amount of, or an uh, unlimited amount of proxies so that they could really collect the ballot and then, you know, drop it off in their favor. But anything you want to specifically talk about, let's deep dive into it. Sure. Well, um, the first thing that comes to mind is that, uh, you know, a board and being a shareholder within a co-op has a lot, you know, a person has a lot of responsibility um, buying into a co-op. Um, lots of times people don't realize that their voice um, plays a major role in how things function. Um, that's, just, that's just like one thing. Um, took me a, a long time to realize that uh, being a shareholder meant that I have to participate in some way, shape or form, whether it be on a committee or whether it be on the board, whether it be picking up a piece of paper on the floor and throwing out in the trash. Um, and so that's the one concept I think that I should convey out there for people who just, you know, want to be and live in a co-op. You have to participate. Um, and then when you, you decide you want to be on a board, um, you know, there's just many factors. Uh, you know, I got on the board for um, several reasons without going into the, into the minutia of things. Um, uh, you know, being on a board requires the idea that it, it's a business. This is not a time for like, you know, having personalities meet and just, you know, have coffee or whatever it is. You're running a business. And the people that are on a board should have some level of professionalism or some profession that, you know, that they, that they can contribute that their skill sets to running this business. Yeah. Um, and I see that as a, as a, as a, a main factor in, you know, steering the ship, um, having people on the board that have been on the board since 1985 or 1990, isn't going to benefit the people because people in the building, um, because to me, it's more, it's more of a personal agenda for them. It's more of um, uh, an, uh, the, the sense of control and, and, um, and power. It's a power play. Um, right. and, and I don't think that it's fair for the, for the majority. And so having people change over is very important, I feel, because it establishes checks and balances. You know, what that time frame is, like, let's say a, a president can be on the board for three years, you know, and if they're doing a really good job and things are going really well, maybe that person could be on for a fourth or a fifth year. But there should be some sort of turnover um, and people should get comfortable in that role um, for a certain amount of time because it takes time to wrap your head around, you know, the finances, the budget, you know, now we have sustainability um, that we have to, you know, really wrap our heads around and it's going to be new for a lot of people. So, you know, you know, I think that um, being on the board is, is an extra job. It's a service and, you know, a lot of board members 
I don't really think that they really wrap their head around the fact that they have a fiduciary responsibility to not only themselves, but to the shareholders. And their, their personal right or personal opinion doesn't necessarily come first. Um, it, the group has to come first. Um, and so, you know, being a board member doesn't mean you just show up and make decisions. Being a board member means that you have to participate and um, contribute and be involved and take the time out of your life and your job to run a business. Um, and, and that's, I hope I answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's helpful. There's a few ways that boards could turn over once the sponsor developer is out and it really comes down to, are they staggered? Let's say I have a, let's get a good example. I have a building in Brooklyn that it's nine board members every three years. So each, each board member when they're voted in is voted in for three years, but they have staggered. So one year there's three up the next year, there's three up the next mm -hmm. year, there's three up and they're all up three at a time for three year terms. So uh, that's, that's a great idea. It is. So you have the continuity that you're looking for over a longer period of time. Let's say mm -hmm. those three people that are up in 2020 all lose and new people come on. You still have a majority that knew what happened last year, no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. You're six to three, not saying that they're going to vote against the three, but at least you have context, you have historical knowledge, that's value, that's right. serving the co-op better. Mm -hmm. And then I have other buildings where every seven, every year, seven people are up and it typically, this happens more than not. And typically, you know, six out of seven of them or seven out of se seven of them are reelected. And, you know, I've seen boards that have stayed in play the same people for greater than 15 years, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, but that's not to say that that's bad in that bad. situation right. because sometimes, right. you know, I have the situation too, where I do a lot of buildings. I do a lot of, let's say annual meetings, which we're in kind of this annual meeting season. Now it got pushed back because of COVID, but we're doing everything mm -hmm. virtually and you have, 10 people complaining about the building, about the board, you know, this is typical. It's going to happen right. in every building. But when you say, okay, let's open it up for nominations or who wants to run for the board, those people that are the most vocal are also they the ones that don't want to do the they work. Don't, so, they don't want to do it. Right. So they don't say, yeah, I'll run for the board. Right. Because it is, it's easier to, it's easier to complain than it is to join the board, put in the work, and right. see it from the inside. And I think that mm -hmm. when there's a, a weird adversarial relationship in some buildings where the board versus the unit owners, the board versus the shareholders, everybody's the same. And I think that's the thing that's very forgotten. You are on the board. In this case, you are paying your share of uh, maintenance in your co-op. Mm -hmm. You're paying your share of the expenses. So everything that you're doing reflects on you you know, every decision that's made. So if you make a decision and let's, let's be clear about directors and officers insurance, when you have a DNO policy covering you, mm. basically you're covered as a board member for any decisions that are made in good faith and in good judgment. So when you're taken out of that good judgment paragraph and you say, okay, I'm self-dealing, I'm making decisions that only benefit me on the board. And this right. is why I joined the board. I joined it so that I wouldn't have to pay more parking. You know, I, those are the bad reasons to get on the board, right? right? Mm -hmm. The good reasons are, as you said before, put the building before the person, 
but the collective before the individual. And that's how you operate a, a successful business. And you Correct. are, as you said, you are operating a business because you have, in many cases, this is the, the individual, uh, either the shareholder or the unit owner in a lot of cases, that's their biggest asset, you know, is their apartment. That's the, literally their biggest asset. And you're on a board overseeing the collective's largest asset. You're running a business that has payroll. You're running a business that has right. uh, federal filings and um, <clears throat> you have city filings and you have compliance and you have all these things. So you're right. You, you, do, you do have to have some sort of a business mind. You don't have to be business savvy. Right. But you have to take it from the point that if you're self-managing, you all have to be in that same team together. And and I think that's when you get to the point where what you were saying before was having a variety of people that can do different things. Mm -hmm. Those are the boards that work best. And I do have a board in Queens that I can think of actually that whenever there's a vacancy through either a resignation or somebody moves or somebody passes away, unfortunately, they always look inside each other, you know, to each other. And they say, okay, in the board, we have the treasurer who does great with the numbers. We have the president who's really good with, you know, running things and being day to day. We have the secretary that's this. It would really be great to have an architect, you know, like, is there exactly. anybody in the building that we can think of that could add to this, right? Like could add to this collection of people that are around enough to manage your building properly. And maybe instead of like going with the yes man, who's going to say, you know, okay. And let's say we're in a five person board, you have a vacancy, uh, the board through the bylaws has the ability to replace them within themselves. So they just vote on it. Maybe you get somebody that's going to like pick up the slack of the things that aren't there yet. And then that's mm -hmm. how you do it. Cause every successful business has like my business has departments. We have mm -hmm. our back office. We have our mm -hmm. front office. We have our property managers. Those are three or four that I can think of off the top of my head. There are specific departments for specific things that make mm -hmm. us, Come together because I don't know everything. I don't know right. how to do payroll, but I have I hire people that work for me that do know that you know, and they can run that. But the board is the same way. Um, that's exactly that is exactly correct. Um, and one of the things that I would say that I see sometimes is that people make decisions based on their personal their personal idea, but they don't understand what, what what's really happening. It's like, all right, we have to spend $10,000 for, I don't know, to do some, to do some minimal local law work, but they're not going to read the, the proposal, you know, and they're just like, right. all right, well, we just need to do it. Oh, it's brickwork. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, um, or something like things like that kind of, really irritate me because they'll make a decision based on the fact of just spending money and they won't even pick up the piece of paper to read what's in it to negotiate any specific points with the vendor you right. know so i don't know i i think that um you know you wouldn't hire somebody who, you know, if, if they're going to be an accountant, they're, you know, and do accounting work, they're going to be an accountant, you know? So making those big decisions to me requires, you know, some well-oiled uh, brain work that is going to, you know, proceed with caution and, um, 
make healthy decisions for a whole, not just like, let me get out of this board meeting because I have kids or let me get out of this board meeting because it's too long or let me get out of this board meeting because blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and so. Um, and you brought up before about committees and I think that's a good way for people that are not on the board to at least get a taste of the board. Typically committees are appointed by the board president and they traditionally have at least one member of the board on a committee. But if let's say you're in a building that has landscaping outside and you want to be a part of the landscaping committee, or let's say there's a lot of noise issues in a building and there's a quality of life committee. Like those are ways for shareholders to get involved without right. necessarily being on the board, but you get a taste of what's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, you get a taste of the operations. You get it. You can see, you know, a lot of the, a lot of what I see as manager in dealing with boards is there's this feeling of the board is hiding information. Mm -hmm. The board's not hiding information. It's you appoint as a shareholder or as a unit owner at, you know, in a condo, you appoint a, a certain amount of people to, to act on your behalf. Those people don't have to necessarily newsletters are helpful, various mm -hmm. points of information, maybe quarterly or semi-annual meetings that are open for any questions and answers, but the board doesn't have to necessarily give every piece of information that they're dealing with to the general public because you've already right. entrusted them to act on your behalf. So I think an open dialogue is great, but there has to be some sort of a limit to allow the board to operate within its own guidelines because if it's hard enough when you have seven people, nine people, I've seen boards as big as 11. There was one building that I saw I went for an interview and probably 15 years ago, I could tell I could swear it was like 19 or 21 board members. It was the most, Wow! it was insane. Like everybody <laughs> in the whole room around it, like a, a U shaped table. <laughs> I felt like I was in like the UN, oh. um, but you, you can't, you can't make everybody happy. I think mm -hmm. that's established, but you can for the masses and the masses could be seven people, you know, in a 10 person building, or it could be 200 in a 300 person building. Mm -hmm. But just op operating in that way, just, okay, what's best for the, for everybody? We said the collective before, like what's, what's best for the collective and the board has to operate in such a way that, you know, for protection's sake, this is also another thing. Let's bring this up because sure. I see a lot of dissident people or dissident group members running for the board on a platform that's, I'm going to come in, I'm going to bring truth and fairness. You know, there's no substantive reality to that on unfairness, but being on the outside, sometimes you may feel disenfranchised and you, you may say, I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the inside. Um, I'm not playing inside baseball. You know, I don't know what's going on. So I'm thinking all these things, you know, it's similar to any other election in this country. It's just, you know, both sides. So if somebody comes on the board, they have a, let's say they start off on a negative footing, but I would hope that quickly they would see, and it usually happens this way. Okay, these are actually like sane people talking through problems, talking through specific shareholder to shareholder issues, all these compliance issues, all these local 11 issues, if you're a taller building. But the one thing that we have to get drilled into everybody is there is confidentiality in the board. Mm -hmm. So when even if you're married and you, your spouse is a shareholder, but they're not on the board, you can't necessarily go and talk to them about board business because everything that you say in the board meeting, anything dealing with shareholders, anything dealing with any sort of board business is technically confidential. And once you mm -hmm. breach that confidentiality, not only are you losing the trust of your board, but you're also sacrificing the coverage that you have under that director's and officer's insurance. So let's say something you say at the meeting goes out 
building wide and then that turns into an issue, that turns into a lawsuit, you may not be covered. They may disavow coverage because you don't have that in place anymore because you're saying, okay, this board business that was confidential somehow got out. It was me. Yeah. And then that led to the snowball problem. So confidentiality, we always ask, um, not always, there are some buildings that ask for it, but we have a, a board member confidentiality um, form that we had a lawyer devise. And um, it's basically just saying, you know, you can't, you have to, there's no acting um, for yourself. Basically, you have to act ethically, you have to adhere to all laws, you have to make uh, decisions fairly and impartially. You have to not harass or bully or discriminate against colleagues or anybody living in the building. And I think people, not saying that I deal with a lot of these, but I have in my 22 years doing this, you do get board members that take their position as a way to take out the aggression of, you know, uh, dealing with the problems in a personal life. And you, you, it's like a power trip, you know, so you have to really weigh that. And that's somebody that's not acting on the, on the behalf of the shareholders or the, or the unit owners. That's somebody that's like filling a void in their life. And that's the power trip, right? I think that discussing the power trip is, um, I mean, I don't know how far you want to go into it, but, but just discussing the idea of having, that power trip and a, a level of uh, control with on a board um, long term. If that person sits on the board long term, um, can it can be destructive for a lot of people? You know, um, once once you start, once you're on a board and you and you're mentally changing into this power trip, either you catch yourself doing it. Um, you know, or somebody else is going to catch you doing it or somebody's not going to care. And then that person's going to lead the ship. Right. And you feel and, emboldened when you get away with it. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, just being in the business for quite some time and doing a lot of reading and, you know, there's, you know, just, you know, you and I both know we've been in this business. We know about all the stories that happened in the past in the eighties and the nineties and management companies and co-op yep. boards and all this, it still happens. Yeah. And I think that you just don't that, hear about people going to jail anymore. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. But I think that 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 um, idea of having control and having a power trip is the reason why it happens, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, and it's it's not to be overlooked, you know, because and that and that's why it's so important to, to understand that when you're a shareholder, you you have to participate in some way shape or form you know it doesn't make a difference you're part of this wheel you know you're part of the machine um and um i think that that um you know it's it's a it's it's something where when you have healthy-minded people on a board you're you have a, a good level of checks and balances you know and uh, communication and a, a level of respect for one another when you lose that I think then, um, you know, anything can happen. You know, but, one person, yeah. one person can start steering it, and everybody else give up. You know, or right. you know. So, and I, I, th- I think New York State started to hit upon this a little bit back in uh, 2018 in um, the, the New York State Business Corporation Law, Section 727. They require, starting in 2018, that boards fill out a yearly conflict of interest report. 
So basically oh. saying if they have or if they have not had any conflicts of interest with regards to any contracts that were entered into. Um, and that could be, is there a relationship there? Is that your brother that's doing the plumbing work? Is that mm. your wife that's doing, you know, are you getting money for anything? And you have to release that report to co-op oh. condos. Um, so we'll be doing well, that with your, that. yeah. So we just took over your building this year. So yeah. once a year, you have to provide all, um, all of the shareholders and condominium unit owners with this statement. And it has to be signed by every board member acknowledging that it has, or there was either there was, or there was not a conflict. Most of the time it's not, but if mm. it was, you then have to also put the motions that were um, approved, who voted for them, who was affected by it. Um, and I think maybe also the amount of money that was uh, tied up on that decision. But all the shareholders and union owners by law now since 2018 have to know exactly who is, you know, having a conflict of interest on the board. Mm -hmm. As long as they say it truthfully. Um, and the managing agent should be doing that. And we have basically if it, an easier way for next year would be to do it with your annual meeting uh, notice. And that's the easy way to remember the ones. Sure. Um, but just like some other things, like we'll probably do that in December, like we're required to do bed bug filings and all that. So this, this year has been just weird with COVID and just trying to get a wrap on everything digitally and, and do all that. But um, yeah, so I, I think that, Committees is a, is a good way to keep in touch with how the board operates, even if you're not on the board. I think staggered elections is always a positive. I think that if you have somebody that resigns from the board, I think it's a good um, way to look at the building and not say, who's our friend versus mm -hmm. who's, who's got the skills that we need? Because nobody, right. no one person is everything, just like no one company is everything. Right. We have just a collection of ideas that hopefully it gets passed. But I think having part of the problem is with you guys as a, as boards is just having the right information and having everything in your hands that you need to make the right decision. Because you're, if you're not in the business, like you're, you're in the business, you're in real estate, but let's say somebody that's just an attorney, they're not in the business. They, let's say they do, I don't know, just like corporate law. That's mm -hmm. or even somebody that's a teacher that never has sat on a board before, doesn't have it, hasn't ever run a business before. There's so many like little nuances that yep. you have to know about in order to get um, through all the, the minutia. And that's why it's so important to really have somebody that's overseeing everything and you know they have your back. Um, but if you do smell that the, you know, the, the sniff test is like that person operating on behalf of the building, there are mechanisms in place to remove somebody also. So if you're on a board and there's somebody, let's say the president is acting unfairly and you say, okay, as collectively as a board, you don't represent us and we don't want you representing us. We don't want you representing the shareholders, the board, then typically this is like the generic way that it's written unless it's been changed, but the board typically has the authority to remove the title of that person. So you could say, okay, president, you're no longer president. We vote you out. Now you're just a director. Um, so you're do they have to officially resign? No, do they have to, they don't. So the, so, so the board can eliminate somebody. Eliminate the title. Eliminate not the, the title. position, not the got person, it, but it, the title. It. So right. if you're president, I don't, we, the six of us don't like the way that you're running the building or the board. 
we are voting to take you out of the president position. We're demoting you to just the director. That's within mm. the board's purview. If you, if you were so unhappy and you felt that somebody was doing something illegally or putting you in a negative position, opening you up to liability, you can't remove them off the board without putting out this. Again, this is generic boilerplate unless yeah. it's been changed, but uh, you would have to call a special meeting for the shareholders or for the unit owners. You would have to put the on the agenda that you're looking to remove this person <laughs> for this reason, and then a vote would have to take place and would probably require a supermajority vote at that uh, special meeting to do so. So mm -hmm. it, it's complicated. You could sideline somebody and take away the power as the board themselves, but you can't remove them completely unless you go to the complete um, population of the co-op or the condo and say, this person is doing this, let's remove them, let's vote on it, and either it passes or it doesn't. But if it doesn't pass, that's a very, you know, uncomfortable few board meetings that you have to live through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Bring the drinks to the board meeting. Yeah. But exactly. yeah, but that's, I, I think that's an important part of just self-monitoring yourself as a board. You, you yeah. know, the temperature, you know, the constituents, hopefully you have a partner, you know, these are all partners. The managing agent is a partner. The accountant's right. a partner. The attorney's a partner. These are all mm -hmm. people that are working together to operate your building in the right way. And just when you see somebody that's an outlier and you see somebody that's just trying to wedge and cause chaos, that's not helpful. But no. at the same time, I always tell my boards and I always tell, oh, this person's running for the board. Can you believe it? Like I've had that conversation how many hundreds of times in my mm -hmm. life, even a sponsor. But, you know, if, uh, one vote. Or one vote on the board. They may have a big personality. They may be offensive. They may be, it may trouble them, uh, the board to have this person. But at the end of the day, this person is one vote. And as long as you carry the majority, it's just noise. Mm -hmm. White noise. That's all it is. You, <laughs> it's white noise. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe they'll have something constructive at some point. Maybe they're just mm -hmm. in there to try to stir up whatever it is that they're trying to stir up so that they right. can you know, get people off the board or get them to resign or get their friends on the next cycle. Maybe they're the ones that are maybe not going to sign the confidentiality agreement. And then we have to figure that out. Um, but there's so many different levels at play here with different personalities. And this could be like anything else. It's, it's like, sometimes I think of it like war games. You don't oh, have you think of like what? Like war games. Oh, uh, like, war games. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> It's like a football game. I was talking about that mm -hmm. last night. Like it's like simulated war. Absolutely, games. yeah. Yeah, like you're they're <laughs> doing that way. So they're gonna go that way. But there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of nuance to it. But I think at the end of the day, if if we remember that the board is temporary, the shareholders and the unit owners hold the power. If you're that unhappy with the board, you change them. That's mm -hmm. the power of the yearly annual meeting. But if you don't have a right. quorum, you don't have engagement. You can't get to that point where you're changing people out. And a lot of the time that we don't have a quorum, it's because things are running okay. Well, that's the, that goes back to what you originally spoke about in the beginning of all this is about, you know, certain board members that, you know, were friendly with the sponsors and had acquired a certain level of those proxy votes. Um, you know, that's not really public information. You know, so a lot of people sometimes know about it but new right. people coming in the building they don't know about it yeah so it's supposed to be a democratic you know situation here and when you have that it's not any longer um there's a way around that um you would have to change your bylaws though 
And mm-hmm. if you're stack, if somebody's stacking their votes, it may not. And you need, let's say there is a sponsor in the building. Here's an example of this. Um, let's say the sponsor controls 30% of the building. And right. In order to get a change to the bylaws, you need at least 65% of the vote or 66.66% supermajority. Some, some buildings go up to 75% that I've seen. Let's say you need 75% of the vote to approve and the sponsor controls 30% of the building. Mm-hmm. You're never going to pass something that's not in no. favor until they sell. But if you have, let's say, a 15% or less sponsor and you have um, a 66.6, you have a much better chance. So what I've seen buildings do in order to stop the stacking of the votes, a lot of the bylaws will say, okay, you as a shareholder or a unit owner can have proxies um, on behalf of other people. So you're, let's say in your case, you're not available to go to your meeting or you don't want to. So you give your vote as a proxy. You give your proxy to another shareholder or to somebody else that's going to hold your vote in their hands and attend on your behalf. There are buildings that will say, we're not going to let you do that. We're not going to let you just have unlimited amounts of proxies in your hand. But what we will do is allow you to hold your vote, if you're a shareholder, plus one um, general proxy, which means that you could vote however you want. It's so it's like you, Jessica, you're, you're holding, let's say you're in 4A and your neighbor in 4B gives you your proxy. It's, un, it's a general proxy that says, I just give uh, Jessica permission to vote on my behalf and to attend on my behalf. And then you mm-hmm. vote however you want. So now you're voting twice, essentially. Right. Uh, you want. There's another factor that's called, or another type of proxy that's called a directed proxy that says, I am the shareholder of this apartment. I give you, Jessica Viola, permission to vote, but you can only vote for this specific vote. So you're voting hmm. for candidates one, two, three, five, six. You know, mm-hmm. those, that's my vote. You can't make up your own vote. You can't go and say, I'm going to change the vote. I'm going to put who I want in there. And that's when stacking is okay because I'm the shareholder that's giving you my specific vote. So mm-hmm. it's essentially... I'm voting the way that I want to as the shareholder giving my proxy. You're just attending it for me so that my vote can count. And that was my, di- that was actually my understanding of it all. Um, yeah. But um, unless it's direct, unless it's noted as a direct mm-hmm. proxy in the bylaws, which I really haven't seen except for one building that redid their bylaws about 15 years ago to do two important things. One was that, and it's really up to It really does leave the, the board in this case with a decision year to year on if they're going to do that. So it's not like a hard and fast rule, but so they did that. And then they also lowered the quorum amount for the annual meetings to 20%. So you didn't need to go 51% a majority. Right. You were almost guaranteeing a quorum at every single meeting, but they get almost 90% turnout for 150 units anyway. So it's not an issue, but it was a way for them to ensure both, um, that the votes would move forward and put on a new board every year and that they wouldn't have to reschedule their annual meeting because they didn't have a right. quorum. And it also said, okay, there's no ballot, there's no proxy stacking. It's not going to become an un- unfair advantage. And we're trying to avoid unfair advantages. No, it's great. Candidate. No, it's really great because um, I don't, I think that, um, I think a lot of people that live in, in uh, co-op buildings don't really know all this information. They don't really understand the, um, 
the particulars in the in the bylaws because you know when a person has a problem or whatever it may be and you redirect them say did you go look at the bylaws they're like no i never read the bylaws and you're like well you're in a you're in a co-op you you have to read the bylaws you know that's like the bible for us you know or the framework for how we have to live here it's very Um, black and white when people are asking questions we always as you said uh, it's your bible and i have 200 bibles that i have to parse through for my right. clients. <laughs> so I have to know exactly what's in your Bible before I can right. answer anything. And we have to be. That's a lot of work, Mark. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of just, you know, double checking and making sure that we're saying the right thing. But there are, yeah. the, the, I think we went over a bunch of like good points of these are the scenarios that can help you avoid Stacking the deck, it could avoid the resistance to change. It could avoid having the unpleasant people with big voices or leading the board. It, you know, there are mechanisms, the checks and balances that we were talking about are in play so that it doesn't run wild. At least it's not going to run wild for more than a year if it runs wild. at all. Right. No, for sure. And I, yeah, I mean, just knowing all this information you know, it gives you a bit more of a, an awareness around the whole thing. So you have an idea, you know, uh, a structure in your mind of how it's supposed to be. Um, I just think a lot of people, I think it's, I think uh, it's, it, it'll be beneficial for a lot of people who are buying into co-ops or thinking about running for a board or, or anything within the framework of that asset class. So, you know. And there's a good group. I'll give a free plug to, uh, it's called the Council of New York Co-op and Condos. It's CNYC. And every November, so we're we're talking on November 10th, Sunday, this Sunday, November 15th, they're actually doing their yearly housing conference, which used to be an actual physical um, conference with, different uh, classes during the day. And I, I would always sit at the booth. They had an exhibition hall for people that were in between classes to come out and, you know, meet companies and vendors. But that's an organization that if you're on a board, that's, um, that's a great resource because they pretty much solely focus on operations with experts and opinions and best practices. And then every November they have that these classes that you could register for and take and I'm teaching one um, with Julie Schechter, um, an attorney, and it's uh, and also Lloyd, uh, this guy Lloyd Krein, who is the guy that um, I think started it like 20 years ago. This class, but it's all about resident communication. But I've been teaching that class for like five or six years. This year we're doing it by Zoom. So oh, nice! Uh, on Sunday we'll all be doing that. Uh, I'll send you a link to it if oh, sure. you're interested. But it's, I think it's cnyc.com. Um, if you, if for anybody listening, if you Google just CNYC Housing Conference, it'll pop up. But it's on November 15th this year and then every November after that. But that's a good resource. Those are experts. Those are attorneys. Those are management companies like myself, um, mm-hmm. accountants. All of these people come together to, to give good advice. And I think if you're on a board, it's, it's a very good thing to be a part of. You don't even have to be a member to go to the classes. You just pay a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, pick two or three classes a year and you become an expert and it, it's, it's really fleshing out a lot of these, um, things that we talk about, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the, I don't want to say corruption on a board, but maybe just unpleasantries on a board. I think it's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> a lot of unpleasantries around here. 
Do we? Do you think? But it's reality. It's a reality. You know, it's 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 a a fact, and it's a reality. And you know, you just have to work through it to get to the other side. You know. Yeah. You know how you get together with annoying family members on Thanksgiving? Yeah. (laughs) Imagine doing that. It's like doing that every single month, but there's no turkey. (laughs) No, No. and you drink before you go. (laughs) Yeah. You have a drink before you go. That is not peach snapple. I'm sorry. Peach. My board meetings are fun these days. They're Zoom. So yeah. I got I have my shelf. I got my liquor shelf. They can, all they see is a straw. They don't see anything else. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know what's going they on. Don't they don't know. smell anything in the air. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't comprehend Mark by you know the 45th minute, but that's fine. I, I was here for the first 45. Yeah, he had a long day. <laughs> So do, right. we, do you think we covered everything that you, you wanted yeah, to cover? Yeah. I think we did a, I think we, uh, we, um, did a, a great job. Good. What's your, uh, what's your website? And I'll put it in the link also. Oh, okay. It's, um, uh, it's, uh, www.foxxandcrowe.com. Okay. What about your email? Jessica at Fox and Crow. Cool. And phone number? 646-256-9690. All right. Awesome. And if you're still listening, if you want to email the show, you can email. Well, you can always email Jessica, jessica at foxandcrow.com. You can email the show at nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you wanted to email my corporate email, uh, either way it gets to me, mblevine at ebmg dot com and if you could if you haven't already if you could subscribe if you could share this if this is interesting to you we we're gonna keep plugging along but i think we're at episode around 33 cool mark that's great yeah so hopefully we'll have you back hopefully i'm sure that there's a lot more that we could think about talking about yeah and you know just just uh just to say we're so happy to have you guys on board Oh, you know, thank you. Really happy to have, you know, working with you. And uh, we look forward to the future working with you. Just oh, wanted same. To say that. Goes, yeah, really great. Very, both very, both. very at, at relief. A big relief. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> so, awesome. There yeah. was an unsolicited plug for me. It was unsolicited for sure. I appreciate it. Well, yeah. until we meet again. All right. Well, take care, Mark. Thank you yeah, very much. Day. You're welcome. Bye bye.